Welcome to Artscape, a new presentation from SFU Woodward's Cultural Programs, located in Vancouver, BC, at SFU Goldcorp's Center for the Arts. I'm Michael Boucher, Director of Cultural Programs. Join me as I sit down with leading-edge artists in dance, theater, cinema, music, and digital arts, as they explore new practices and approaches, reflecting the ever-changing landscape of contemporary arts. Please tune in to our conversations of discovery anywhere, anytime on your favorite streaming platforms. Welcome everyone to Artscape. We're delighted today to be having Curtis Woltrock, Director of Programming for VIF this coming year spectacular lineup. You've been doing this job for quite a few years now. Curtis, if I just throw the book open, because it's going to be impossible to capture the full menu that you're laying out this year, which is pretty extraordinary. But what have been the major challenges coming back, hopefully going to a regular festival? Well, it's probably important to you know start off by saying that this year we are looking at uh, 130 feature films in the festival and over 100 short films across uh, more than a dozen programs. It really does represent you know a significant return uh, for ourselves. We'll be back at a multiplex in the form of International Village. We'll be back at the Center for Performing Arts as a marquee venue. So I think that mounting a festival of that size, it's going to be over 350 events across 11 days, poses a few challenges. And some of that is in the art sector. We've seen a large number of people um, initially during the first year of the pandemic who uh, kind of worked a, a cycle of gig jobs, be it you know with us, then with Push, then with for laughs, jazz, you know, who had that kind of circuit broken for themselves as to what their employment looked like. Um, I think because of that, we've seen a lot of turnover in terms of the arts and culture um, em employee sector as well. So it's uh, both last year and this one, it's been a matter of training people. People are very passionate about the arts, but maybe don't come to it with decades of experience. But I think that also brings uh, a new wave of energy to it. People looking at things with fresh eyes, with fresh perspectives. We're, we're not immune to uh, inflation of the current economic shape of the world as well. You know, we, we made a decision this year to keep our ticket pricing on par with where it's been back to pre-pandemic days. And I think anyone who's been out for a sandwich recently recognizes that that's not really the practice being employed right now. So it was a choice of how do we make the festival accessible to as many people as possible and make sure that we're not pricing culture out for people uh, while we're also trying to make sure that we're covering costs on a lot of, uh, be it uh, rental of uh, venues or uh, staffing, things like this, all of which have kind of escalated in the last couple of years. I think what is heartening about challenges or, 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 or struggles is that this year as we've been watching films at all of these festivals or that have been submitted to us unsolicited, we recognize that every film we're seeing this year uh, has been made in compromised circumstances. You know, no one set out to, uh, whether they're a first-time filmmaker or long-tenured um, legendary filmmaker, didn't set out to make their work uh, thinking about safety protocols and, um, you know, all the things that need to be done on set, uh, how many people you can have on location, things like this. So we are not alone in kind of uh, having to rethink how we go about presenting the work because the people who made the work had to go through those very same considerations. And I think that you know what's heartening this year is just to see, uh, despite all those considerations that came into play for the filmmakers, 
know how how pure these visions are when they find their way to the screen, and they're completely uncompromised as works of cinema. And I think uh, it allows us to redouble our efforts in terms of what we think about when we present that work, and also the responsibility that comes with it, knowing that this. These films were made under incredibly trying circumstances, and we should, as audiences watch them, think about not only the, you know, the craft being demonstrated and the, the vision being demonstrated, but also the resilience and determination that it took to see each one of those films through to completion. My God, what a brilliant, comprehensive response. But from, from your perspective, um, how things change in regards to the business of film in, in, in terms of the background to ensuring these films will arrive on time, whether the channels of information, the channels of negotiation. I mean, how has that world changed? And then I guess, to what degree are you going to have streaming this year? Uh, and those two actually kind of align quite nicely because in 2020, when we had to look at a festival that was primarily online, you know, we had a few screenings in our Van City Theater and a few at the Cinematheque as well. Uh, but we're you know, mostly limited to about 35 people per screening. So the festival effectively was online in 2020. But we did make the decision at that point to ensure that every Canadian filmmaker was receiving uh, licensing fees, screening fees, things like this. You know, something we were hearing uh, in the early part of 2020 from those festivals who'd gone online and filmmakers who'd participated was that it was a model that was, in some respects, much more sustainable for them, looking at kind of collecting licensing fees from this variety of festivals, not having the costs and uh, time away from work that comes with, uh, you know, supporting a film at a major festival as well. And so I think as we move back into a normalized space or uh, trying to establish what the new equilibrium is, we remain committed to ensuring that, you know, every Canadian filmmaker at the festival is paid a licensing fee for their film being here. In the case of the feature films, we'll be able to offer uh, travel support for them as well. So they're able to present their work here at the festival to Vancouver audiences. And I think those are um, those are costs in some respects, but I think those are also investments. And it's our investment in the belief that this, these people should be compensated for the work they're doing, for the um, our ability to exhibit it and share it with audiences, and that we want them there to be able to share the work as well. So, you know, um, we've seen the landscape certainly shift in the past couple of years in terms of you know, 2020 was very much about who was willing to have their their films available online. That basically was how we determined what the festival lineup would be, in addition to the customary kind of curatorial decisions being made of how these films exist in a dialogue with each other. Last year, you know, we saw a number of major distributors uh, have a lot of apprehension about online play and wanting to preserve the theatrical context. And this year, I would say that is doubled from where it was last year as well. We'll have about, we'll have 24 feature films available online. We wanted to make sure that, you know, there was a lot of consideration given to what those films would be. We also wanted to make sure that we are maintaining that on, on, online element as an accessibility tool for people who aren't able to, maybe have never been able to travel to the festival uh, for health reasons, for economic reasons. And it also allows us to expand, you know, our outreach into other parts of the province as well. So I think that there are, there are some decisions we've made in terms of additional kind of operational uh, considerations and costs for ourselves, but I think it makes it a festival that hopefully is more sustainable for both ourselves and the artists who we showcase with it. I'm just curious, I mean, with regards to the demographic shifts that we all have to deal with, um, is your scheduling for the festival, like, are you going to have a lot of matinees that you're, are weekday matinees, or are there going to be changes in the schedule that make the experience uh, certainly more attuned to new audiences, I'm assuming, but also 
to the audiences that have been loyal to you? You know, that's another matter that comes down to kind of the financial considerations as right. well and how we balance things. You know, how do we make sure that we are uh, securing venues and showcasing films that gives the largest audience possible the opportunity to uh, to find them and to experience them. So we will have some weekday matinees, some uh, definitely more um, weekend matinees, but the majority of the screenings will take place uh, in evening screenings, knowing that while there are certainly audiences who love uh, being in the theaters during the daytime, I know I am one of those, so I sympathize with them and know where they're coming from. It's just a matter of making sure that we uh, we balance the program and ensure that with some of these films, perhaps maybe playing in cinemas only a couple times in Vancouver, that the, the largest and widest audience possible can, uh, can discover them there. Can you talk a little bit about the team of people that work with you with regards to programming? It's not Curtis alone. You've no, got no. yourself, exactly. So do you want to just expand on that? Yeah, certainly. So I think for fairly wide, I guess there's different tiers, different uh, uh, people who are involved. So there are our kind of senior international programmers, uh, Ellen Franey and Po Chua Young, who have been with the festival, in Ellen's case, since its inception. Uh, po Chu since the late 80s, you know, bringing those decades of experience to the uh, the international program. Uh, I work with them on that. And, you know, I think the really encyclopedic uh, levels of knowledge on cinema, but I think also the, the audience that has been loyal to the festival for a long time. Uh, we're also excited to, you know, invite to welcome new um, programmers to the festival this year. I seeded the Canadian Shorts programming after nine years to Casey Way. And Casey's a, a multidisciplinary artist here in the city, um, who's also a filmmaker herself. And she has, um, I think, really brought a very different perspective to the program. There's some familiar faces in the Canadian shorts or shorts by Canadian and Indigenous filmmakers people will be familiar with from past years, but I think also a very different sensibility to it. And it's been a great reward for myself to hear about uh, her approach to it and for finding the thematic through lines for things. We've also welcomed uh, Sonia Baxa as our associate programmer, uh, who has worked with me particularly on, uh, I think, the Canadian program, as well as launching a new international competition for narrative films called Vanguard, which, which we'll have this year. Uh, Sandy Gao has been programming international shorts for many years and did so again this year. And then T. Bannister, uh, they are responsible for our modes program, which uh, focuses on kind of where maybe the division between video art and short film work uh, bleeds into one another in really exciting ways. Beyond that, you know, we have a number of um, consultants who weigh in on like different areas, be that documentary or indigenous cinema or cinema by BIPOC creators, uh, as well as dozens of very, very skilled volunteers um, who provide uh, support in viewing films. And, you know, their kind of um, backgrounds range from being filmmakers themselves or uh, film profs, uh, people who've attended the festival, uh, people who've worked in uh, journalistic capacities before, or, or people who've uh, come from, yeah, kind of a production background. Fantastic. I mean, I, I just wanted to laud you, first of all, on the degree of coherence, especially given the fact that you have a companion with you, a nine-week-old Molly. Do you want to just explain the breed <laughs> uh yes molly who just ran headlong into a wall so has decided to calm down for a second so she is a dachshund terrier cross and uh this is her third day in this household so she's still finding her way around her uh, spatial logistics and spatial awareness as well which she's doing oh, okay she, for herself oh she's doing i mean the simpatico is rather amazing So I'm going to leave you with the last question for me is for you personally, what is 
potentially the most exciting thing going forward with regards to this particular edition? Is there a particular film or a particular uh, series, or is it a new initiatives? I mean, for example, you've got AMP, you've got all. So what is the thing that is a key personal highlight? You know, we're going to come out this year with a, a number of new or new or, or rethought film series. So I think people will only see three of them that they uh, have seen in past years. And I think that's really been an opportunity to revisit how we uh, look at the film program, be that like the Vanguard um, International Competition, which I think is particularly exciting, knowing how the Dregs and Tigers competition for years was a major part of the festival. So to have a international narrative competition, once again, something like our new Spectrum series, which looks at, I think, uh, really the uh, how much nonfiction filmmaking can um, can bend and be shaped and the different approaches, be it kind of impressionistic or essayistic, essayistic to that kind of work. We'll have a, a series called Showcase that mostly takes place at the at the Playhouse here in Vancouver. And I think those are the films that are really beyond our special presentations are really going to resonate with Vancouver audiences. Um, films that stand out, I think, particularly for Vancouver audiences. There is a uh, documentary that we'll have the world premiere of about Crystal Pite, the choreographer, uh, called uh, Crystal Pite, Angel's Archive, uh, directed by Chelsea McMullen, who is a former Vancouverite. There will also be two films that are uh, coming to us from graduates of our Catalyst Mentorship Program, uh, Annie Ox by Ryan Amarcora and Jessica Johnson, two SFU alums, as well as Back Home by Nisha Platzer, and I think those are really exciting films by new Vancouver voices. Sophie Jarvis, another SFU alum, who's had a number of exceptional short films at the festival. Her first feature, Until Branches Bend, will uh, play here on the heels of its Toronto premiere. Accompanying that, I, I looked the other day, and uh, of those 130 feature films, I believe 65 of them will either be Canadian, North American, international, or world premieres, which okay. means that Vancouver audiences will be the first people in, in Canada to lay eyes on like some of the best best films of this year. So I think you know, as we record this, I'm in the midst of, uh, of scheduling or putting the final touches on the, uh, the schedule, being able to step back from it every once in a while, it's a, it's a really, really exciting program. And I think a program where we can say that there is something for everyone. There's uh, another documentary from Kat Jamie about the legacy of the Vancouver Grizzlies, which will world premiering on October 1st and looking to do a fun basketball activation outside afterwards as well. And then also a film like uh, Black Ice that looks at the hidden history of um, Black uh, hockey players here in Canada. And uh, another documentary, Unarchived, which um, is by two Vancouver filmmakers and looks at really kind of the culpability of archives and archiving practices in the erasure of the history and culture of some marginalized communities and how that's being restored now by different uh, different museums, many of them in museums and archives, many of them in Vancouver. Curtis, it's been a real pleasure having you. Thank you so much for the detail and insight you provide. I also want to just celebrate the fact that I believe we're into our eighth to ninth year uh, partnership, and it's been a delight having VIF on board. For us, it's our 10th, so we look so forward to continuing this relationship and building a new and uh, the way you guys have adapted. Uh, I know it's gonna be a season of reinvigoration, but I think it will be an extraordinary one. So thank you so much and wishing you every success with this. All right, well, I look forward to seeing you and everyone else at the festival.